Hi! Uh, wait, that's not how you start the podcast. I, I don't know how to start. Hey guys, I'm Marie. Do I always say hey guys? I think so. Really? Sounds right in my head when I say it. Hey, this is, hey, I'm Marie. No. Oh, hey hi. guys, this is Marie. Hey. Hi, I'm Marie. And I'm, no, that's it. That, wait, shit, fuck. Hold I on, don't know. okay. Hey guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. I don't know, that doesn't sound nope, right Nope, that either. doesn't sound right okay. either. How, how do we start the <laughs> podcast? Why? What do you usually say? I don't know. Why am I so off this morning? Okay. I don't know. I, I just know what I say. <laughs> Hi. Why? It sounds so Hey, weird. guys. I'm Marie. All right. Hi. No. <laughs> How do hey we guys, usually Hey, guys. I'm Marie. This is Marie. No. I'm Marie. Hi. I'm Marie. I don't know, dude. I fucking give up. Okay. Let's just, let's just start this. It's fine. Okay. Hi. I'm Marie. That's wrong. It's How wrong. Do I don't it? know. What is wrong with me? You say the same thing every time, though, and that's not it. Hey, guys. I'm Marie, Hold and on. I'm Maddie. Hold on. I'm pulling up an episode. Hold <laughs> on. This is happening right now. You have to leave this in the podcast. <laughs> you have to. We forgot how to start the episode. Hi, guys. I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And this is Lost in the Woods. Welcome. Good morning. It's morning for us anyway. Yeah. It's definitely morning for Maddie. I've been up for a few hours now. We wanted to thank everybody that participated in our drawing last week. Yeah, sorry if you saw our really awkward live. Okay. I I was over the day and we forgot that we even had to do it. My plan was to record a video and then post the video. And Maddie's like, no, let's just go live. That's easier. And I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. I don't know. I'm scared. And then it was just all around panic. We forgot to do it. It was so long of writing everybody's name down correctly. Right. (laughs) It took so long. And then... We were just panicked because we forgot to do it until later in the night because Murray was hiking all day long. Okay, but yeah, if you caught our live, sorry, next time we do something like that, you guys, we will actually like schedule a live time because we did get some feedback that people were like, well, why didn't you announce that you were going to be doing that? I would have Because we didn't in. know what was doing. We, were, we didn't know. We and you, I, I, think, I think Maddie needs to take this one. It's fine. I'll take this one. I will. <laughs> I will take it. Thank you for bearing with us. I know I looked a little rough. I was literally still in my hiking clothes. Yeah, we'll announce it next time. I'll do it better. So, today, we are bringing you guys the story of the Bennington Triangle. This is a listener recommendation from Michael Lindsay. Yeah, thanks, Michael. We've all heard about the Bermuda Triangle. I think most people have probably heard about the Bermuda Triangle. It's a little more popular. But little do you know that there are little triangles everywhere. Literally everywhere. I feel like we could do an entire mini-series on just the different triangles. And, um, by the way, let me know if that interests you, because... Maddie would definitely want to do that. I would definitely love to look into that for, like, Patreon or something. Yeah. So let us know if that interests you guys, because... I think anything supernatural kind of interests Maddie. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Yeah, which the triangles have a lot to do with, obviously, supernatural stuff. Usually, yes. So... But I think we actually found the triangle that has the least amount of supernatural sightings. The Bennington Triangle, by the way, every single time I say this, I want to say Bermuda because that is the one I'm most familiar with. So please, if I say it wrong or if I say like some variation of Bennington, know just that know it's, it's because, Bennington. Yeah, it's because I'm just, you know, my, my mind. It's getting old. It's hard to learn new things. So 
The Bennington Triangle is in southwestern Vermont. This triangle is around Glastonbury Mountain in Vermont. This encompasses towns around the mountain, mainly Bennington, Woodford, and Shaftesbury. It also contains the old ghost towns of Somerset and Glastonbury. Boundaries to the town of Glastonbury was created in 1761. That's that's a long time ago. Yeah. That's a really long time ago. Really long time ago. By Benning Wentworth, who drew the boundaries without ever stepping foot there. Not even on the mountain. He had never seen anything. He just looked at a map and decided, this is the boundary of the town. Just... Which is crazy that Throw it up there. Happened. I know. <laughs> well, and I think initially the purpose of this town was for mining and logging. They made coal. They did quite a few things. Yeah, there was actually like a purpose to why this area might have been chosen, but I think maybe it wasn't initially known just how treacherous this area was. No. So the settlers had an uphill battle with the rough terrain and very short growing season. I don't know how anybody thought that people could settle here. Well, I think they didn't know that people couldn't settle there until after they were already there. (laughs) I guess, because no one stepped foot over there. The way that I understand it is this settlement was chosen and all of the people were sent there. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then they're like, well, shit, this sucks. So the triangle was named by a paranormal author, Joseph A. Citro, devoting a series of... Denoting? Denoting? What the hell does denoting mean? Denoting? Yeah. To denote something, you know, it's like a sign or an indication of a name for, like, these series of disappearances. <laughs> Come on. You make me, like, question all of my denoting? verbiage, my I vocabulary. never heard denoting before. Denoting? Actually, maybe I have heard denoting, but... Not on a regular basis or any sort of thing like that. So, denoting a series of unsolved disappearances in that area between 1944 and 1950. Long before the British settled into this area, the land belonged to the Abenaki tribe. They stayed away from the top of the mountain because they believed that it was cursed. Hunters would often get lost due to the sudden changing winds, but even more terrifying was the legend of the enchanted stone. It looked like any other boulder, but if you stepped on it, you would vanish into thin air or be swallowed by the mountain even before you had a chance to scream. And this rock was allegedly at the top of the mountain. Yeah, so it was like on the peak. So like to get to the highest point of the mountain, you had to stand on this rock. The Abenaki did go on to the mountain in order to bury their dead. But that was the only reason they would go up there. Yeah, and that doesn't make it more creepy that that's also where all the dead have been buried. So then that makes the whole mountain an Indian burial ground. And I know paranormal-wise, you're not supposed to mess with those. (laughs) I guess technically it does make it an Indian burial ground. Yep. So, um... You know. Okay. Maybe that's what this whole thing is. (laughs) One of the reasons they believed it was cursed was because of the four winds that met there in an eternal struggle. So basically, Glassberry Mountain has very erratic wind patterns that change suddenly. And this tends to make people very disoriented and also makes things on the mountain grow in weird or unusual patterns. So if you think about how people tend to navigate, a lot of that is based on the way that things grow and patterns and things like that. And when you've got everything growing strangely or changing direction in a regular basis, that can make it a lot easier for hunters or people to get lost. 
When the first settlers arrived in Vermont, the Abenaki strongly suggested that they avoid settling on the mountain, which they completely ignored. Which, can you imagine, do you think they were frustrated or do you think they were just like, stupid? But they should have listened, probably because they would have saved themselves a lot of time. I also think they probably were wondering what they were thinking. I mean, settling so high up in such a difficult area, too. In 1791, Glastonbury had a total of six families living there. By the end of the Civil War, the population broke 100. They built sawmills and kilns to make charcoal. In 1867, a wild man began to appear on the mountain. He was named the Wild Man of Glastonbury and lived in a cave near Somerset. He apparently would come out of his cave and go into town to flash women. He would pull open his ratty coat and reveal his nude body while waving a pistol to scare off anyone that tried to stop him. And then he would go back to his cave. Was this a settler that just decided to go run off the mountain? I have no idea. I don't think anybody knew who he was. Where does he come from? From the caves. We don't know. Nobody Where knows. Where is he getting a... He's wearing a jacket? Well, he could have stolen the jacket from anyone. Okay. All right. In 1872, the railway was constructed, bringing even more people to the town. Yeah, so let's take this difficult situation and just, like, make it even worse. Let's let's drag more shit up this mountain that we're yeah. not going to be able to get down. <laughs> to be fair, they did log a lot here. They did make coal. They did do things on this mountain. They just seem to have done it in a very difficult way. In 1892. You know, it's funny. That's like my birthday mixed up. So I always want to read that as 1982. Yeah. My my brain just wants to say any of those numbers in any, any order yeah. <laughs> and have absolutely no actual number. In no particular order. Just yeah. any of them. Okay. So in 1892, a sawmill worker named Henry McDowell attacked another worker named John Crawley, and beat him to death with a rock. Sounds like a rough day at work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So he fled and headed south. He was captured, but blamed the murder on the voices in his head. Yeah, he basically said that he didn't want to kill him, but that the voices just kept telling him to, and he felt like he had to. So due to these voices, they sent him to a facility, probably for the best. But he didn't stay there long because he escaped by hiding in a railroad car, carrying a load of coal, and was never seen again. Some people believe that he lived out the rest of his days hiding in the forest, and people allegedly saw him. And it's even been suggested that maybe... He's the Naked Man? No, because the Naked Man was before. Damn. I know. Jeez. Wish I could connect the dots there. I can't. (laughs) doesn't work like that. But uh, people have suggested that he might be lurking in the woods, causing some of the... Things that do come up. Okay, so five years later, two brothers were out hunting, John and Henry Harbor. They separated a bit, which people do tend to do while hunting. This isn't that strange. Some people make a little bit out of this and another incident, but I don't think that that's very strange. Harry heard a gunshot, and then he heard John call out saying that he had been shot. He searched the area, but he couldn't find his brother. The following day, they finally found him. He was laying under branches, and his loaded gun was on the ground just out of his reach. And there seemed to be drag marks. 
It remains a mystery to this day, and no other hunter has ever come forward saying that they had shot him. So this is kind of a weird one. Like, could he have shot himself? They seemed pretty sure that somebody else had shot him. Well, his body had been dragged. But what if he drug himself there so that he would cover himself with branches because he was cold? Yes. Could somebody have shot him accidentally and taken off? Never reported it. I'd say that's probably a possibility. Okay, so, I mean, I don't know what the most likely scenario is in this case. I would say it's most likely that maybe somebody shot... I mean, I don't even know where he was shot. This is the 1800s. I know, but I I feel like I can't make a decision on whether or not he shot himself or somebody shot him without knowing where on his body he was shot. Yeah. In the summer of 1897, the town was dying. So they decided to try to appeal to tourists. They spent a fortune on renovating the town. They built hotels, casinos, and for a summer, this did work. Mm -hmm. But when spring came around, a massive flood rushed down the mountainside and washed out their new trolley tracks. Which is how they got all the tourists up and down the mountain. Which, this mountain had been heavily logged. Yeah. And it wasn't as stable as it used to be. Yeah, they pretty much ruined the hillside by doing so much logging and Mm -hmm. all that on the side of the mountain. So then by the 1930s, only three people were there. And they all belong to the same family. So there's like one family of holdouts that doesn't want to leave kind of thing. There's always someone. There's always one. I know. They just don't. Same thing on our Mary King's Close episode. And then the one. Yeah. Yeah. Where there was just one family that didn't want to leave. And then the one guy that lived at the bottom of Mount St. Helens and refused to leave when the volcano was blowing up. So on November 11, 1943, two men headed out into the woods to go hunting just north of Glastonbury. Maybe stop hunting here. Maybe just stay the fuck off the mountain. (laughs) Carl and Henry, who were cousins, set up their camp. It was deer season again. The two split up and set out to hunt. Henry tired and decided to head back to the camp where he discovered Carl was not there. By nightfall, he decided to hike out and get some help because Carl still hadn't shown up. Which, you're out hunting by nightfall, you want to be back in your camp, Mm -hmm, right? mm Mm-hmm. Searchers spent three days searching in the cold and snow before they found him. His rifle was found 100 feet away, leaning on a tree. He was dead. They thought maybe an animal. There were a ton of footprints around him, like animal footprints. And maybe, as the legend tells, Some suggest maybe some big footprints, yeah. Some Sasquatch activity going on here but you guys he was not mauled to death he had no bite marks on him it appeared that he had been squeezed to death so either there's some big ass anacondas out in vermont that we don't know about that are squeezing (laughs) people to death or you know bigfoot's out there squeezing people to death which which in 1943 i feel like they should be able to determine a cause of death at this point but i wonder what about his body made them determine that he was squeezed to death. I don't know. We'll never know because there is not a lot of autopsy information or any autopsy information for that fact. I don't really know how to explain that. So our options are giant anaconda living in (laughs) in Vermont Vermont. or Sasquatch. Or Sasquatch gave him, like, doesn't know how to hug properly. Yes. He was just really excited and hugged the hunter and... So those are your two options. That's it. That's what you get to choose from. Well, 
And like I said, I would have to see like what his actual injuries were that determined he was squeezed to death. Yeah. To believe that he was actually squeezed to death. Because if you think, I mean, this is how these stories start, right? Like one person in the, in the group is like, he had no signs of anything on him. He was probably squeezed or crushed to death or something like that, right? By Bigfoot. And then it turns into like this big rumor where really he died of hypothermia and nobody knows that. Well, he was squeezed to death. So it says right there. Obviously he was squeezed to death. Yeah, but there really is. I don't know. Because I don't know how effective autopsies were in 1940-something, but... Yeah, also we have to remember that we are not in current times. There isn't great record of this. Right. There isn't great autopsy information, if any autopsy information. Right. Mm -hmm. So... Who knows? Who knows? I want all the answers. (laughs) Well, guess what? I know. You don't get them. Okay, so on November 12th, 1945. So this is about Mitty Rivers, who was 74. He went out hunting. He was very familiar with the woods. He was an avid hunter and fisherman. He led a group of four or so hunters up the mountain. On his way back down, he went ahead of the group, like just out of like where they could see him. I say, yeah. And vanished. Right, and the funny thing about that, uh, this is the other one that a lot of people make a lot of. Like, why did he intentionally, like, push ahead of the rest of the group? And I'm like, I doubt that's what happened. Because when we go hiking with a group of people, sometimes we're kind of spread out a little bit. And somebody turns a corner, and by the time you get to that corner, you see them again. That's the impression I kind of got with this situation where he was just, like, ahead of the group a bit. Yeah. He wasn't, like, running ahead to try to get away from them. This was in an area of Long Trail Road and Vermont Route 9. After he had gone missing, a search ensued. One single rifle cartridge was found in a stream that was thought to belong to him, but that was the only sign ever found. And how would they even know that it was his? So I wonder that too, because this is a place where people go to hunt. There's other people in this group. There's hunters everywhere. And this is 1945. Yeah. I doubt that he has... Different ammo than everybody else. And maybe that's the, maybe that's why it matched the ammo that he was known to carry. So I think because maybe it's not rusted, they're assuming it came from him because it's more recent. But the thought process is kind of that he leaned over the water maybe to get a drink or to do something and it may have fallen out of his pocket, which I don't know about that. So... Yes, this bullet could have been his, or it could have been any of these searchers or anything. But say he did lean over the river to do something, fell into the river, maybe that's where he disappeared to. Took a little trip down river. I don't know. I don't know. It's not actually suggested that that happened anywhere. That's just my theory based on the bullet being found in the river. On Sunday, December 1, 1946, Paula Weldon, who was 18 years old and a sophomore, at Bennington College, she got done working a double shift at the dining hall, and then she headed back to her room. She told her roommate that she was going to go for a hike, and her roommate said after the fact that she had been a little depressed and homesick lately. She was the eldest of four daughters, so she did have a big family at home, and it did sound like she was missing them. She wasn't able to go home for Thanksgiving. So at 3 p.m., she pulled on her hiking shoes and headed out. She headed to the Long Trail hike. Many witnesses actually saw her that day. One witness named Ernest Whiteman had actually given her directions to the trail. He was an employee at Bennington Banner. 
an elderly couple say that they had seen her on the trail and had been walking about a hundred yards behind her. They say that they saw her turn a corner and when they reached the same corner and turned it, Paula was gone. There was an extensive search for her and a $5,000 reward. The FBI was even involved. The search involved over 1,000 people and lasted for three weeks. Searchers, actually, this is kind of interesting. I'd never heard this before, but searchers actually carried confetti to drop while searching to make sure that every area was searched and to not overlap searching. Never heard of that before, but I don't know. Even with that, no sign of her has ever been found. Someone did remember Paula saying that she wanted to visit the Everett Cave on Mount Anthony. A guide and some students hiked there to search for her, but found nothing. She was wearing a bright red jacket at the time of her disappearance, which made searchers think it would be easier to find her, right? Yeah, I'm going to be real hard to find. I'm just putting it out there. You and your completely black wardrobe. I was wearing all black yesterday (laughs) while hiking. Just look for my bright colored carabiners. My backpack's white, but that white's not really any easier to find. You would think it would be, but white and black both kind of uh, blend in pretty well when you're out in the mountains, actually. Some rumors suggested that she took off to Canada with a boyfriend, and others thought that maybe she just decided to go and live in the woods. Yeah, for sure. Like, intentionally. I'm so sure. A taxi driver had said that he took a young girl to the train station that day, but no one from the train station had seen Paula or recognized her picture at all. A waitress says that she saw someone fitting Paula's description at the restaurant where she worked and said that she was there with a very controlling young man and seemed like she might have been in trouble or that they were fighting. So it was also reported that she had hitchhiked to the trail So some thought maybe could she have done that on the way home and been kidnapped. Mm -hmm. That doesn't explain the elderly couple not seeing her again, though. But she could have gone a different route. She was 5'5 at the time of her disappearance and 123 pounds. She has a scar on her left knee and under her left eyebrow. She also has a vaccine mark on her right thigh. She was wearing blue jeans and white sneakers. She had a small gold wristwatch with a narrow black band on it and was wearing that red jacket, which had a fur-trimmed hood. It was 50 degrees when Paula left, and that night it would snow three inches, and by Monday, the next day, it was nine degrees out. So that's a really, really, really big temperature drop. Mm-hmm. She was last seen near Hunter's Rest, But it was thought unlikely that she would have made it there due to the difficulty in crossing the stream in order to actually get to the side where the hunter's rest was, which is like a campground the hunters go to. The camp was owned by a man named William Luzon, Luzon, who reported that three servicemen passed through earlier on Sunday and they were not dressed appropriately for the trail. He said... The men had left a suitcase with him, and when they hadn't returned for the suitcase, they opened it and searched it. I'm guessing that nothing came from this strange occurrence because that's the last that I hear of them. And they're not tied to her case in any other way. It's just like this weird thing that happened to happen on the same day. Hmm. Also, this is the same hunting camp that Mitty Rivers had disappeared from the prior year. 
When you see all of this on a map, it, it is all very closely connected. Foul play was suspected by the police in this case. Interesting. Right? All right, so December 1st, 1949. So the exact same day. Just different year than our last Our last disappearance. disappearance. Yeah. And by the way, this case is the only one that doesn't occur in the woods. Okay. Just throwing it out there. But... The vicinity of where it happens is so close to where these other disappearances have, have happened that it's included. Okay, so James Tedford, a veteran and resident of Bennington's Soldier's Home. James had been visiting relatives in St. Albans and was returning home on a local bus when he suddenly disappeared. He was one of 14 passengers. Witnesses place him on the bus until the last stop before Bennington, including the bus driver. Yeah, he rode it all the way to, well, the end. So people report seeing him after the very last stop before Bennington. So there's one more stop, and that's Bennington. That's the end of the line. And people say that he was still on the bus after that stop. This was in the Bennington Triangle, believe it or not. Yep. His luggage was found in the luggage rack, and an open bus timetable was discovered in his empty seat. No sign of him has ever been found yeah which one thing that's kind of weird about this one too and I'll, I'll throw this out there he was not reported missing for over a week family was like where is he he hasn't come home but not only that how do they even know the bus timetable was left on his seat a week over a week later I mean, I'm guessing the bus driver found that and found the bag and was like, that's weird. This guy who left his timetable here and left his suitcase here, where the heck did he go? But didn't report anything to the police. Yeah. Super weird. Super weird. So he just disappeared. There are some reports that state that he got off the bus at one point, but then got back on, which to me maybe indicates that he was kind of confused at this point, right? Like maybe he doesn't ride the bus a lot. Maybe this is something, you know, he's older. Maybe this is something that he was having a hard time with. And maybe he, maybe he did get off at Bennington and just nobody saw him and he walked away confused, disoriented, whatever. Maybe something like that happened. I mean, I don't know. Forgot all his luggage. Yeah. It's super weird without the case being that he just vanished into the Bennington Triangle, it's a very bizarre case. Mm -hmm. And it's also bizarre because he's the only one that doesn't fit in with the rest. True. So kind of a weird one, not sure exactly how that fits in besides the fact that it's in the triangle and it's a missing person. Crazy. Okay. On October 12, Paul Jepson, who was eight years old, Paul accompanied his mother in a truck while she went to feed some pigs. So his mom and dad took care of this pig farm, it sounds like. So this was a normal thing. She was going to do some work. She had to feed some pigs, do some tending to the farm. And then she last saw him playing in the truck before she left. Okay. When she returned to the truck, he was gone. She said that she had been tending to the pigs for about an hour. So... That's not a lot of time. Searchers were called in. His scent was actually tracked by scent dogs. The trail, though, ended at the highway and then vanished. 
So this was near where Paula had last been seen. And get this. Get this. He was also wearing a red jacket like Paula. He was, yes. No trace of Paul has ever been found. His father said that it may have been the lure of the mountains that pulled his son in. The boy had been talking of nothing else for days leading up to his disappearance. I find that very, very uh, unsettling. unsettling. Yeah. So this little boy is just gone. There's His scent disappears at the highway. There's no trace of him, nothing. Like he is gone. They never find his bright red jacket. They never find his shoes. They never find anything that belonged to him. He's just gone. He wasn't even gone for a very long time. But I mean, we see that. We've seen that with other cases too, where kids are gone for a very short amount of time and then they can't be found. A huge search ensues after a short period of time and nothing's ever found. I mean, we saw that with the the campground one, the little girl who disappeared at the campground. Oh, yeah. She was missing for, what, two minutes, probably? And they still couldn't find her. Searchers still couldn't catch up to her, wherever she was. The, his scent disappearing at the road does make a lot of people think that this could have been a kidnapping. That he could have been out of the truck, wandering around, doing whatever, and then somebody snatched him and took him to where they had a car at this road. So I think that that's definitely a possibility. And then I also think it's a possibility that he wandered off and got lost. Okay, so on October 28th, 1950, only two weeks after Paul went missing, Frida Langer went missing. She was 53. She was a skilled hiker and very knowledgeable about the area. She went out on a hike with her cousin, Herbert Elsner. So the families were camping near Somerset Reservoir. So the two left pretty early for a hike. At one point, about 100 yards from their campsite, Frida slipped and fell into the stream. Only 100 yards. That's impressive. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if anybody's ever hiked wet before, (sighs) but it's not fun. It's actually why I lost my toenails when I hiked the enchantments, because my feet got wet. So being wet for any kind of hike is super not fun, especially if your shoes or boots get wet. Yes. So not wanting to hike wet, she asked Herbert to wait for her so she could run back to camp. And change, because that seems very reasonable if you're 100 yards away from your campsite. Yeah, you're not that far, yeah. No. So when she didn't return, Herbert went back to the campsite, where he discovered that she had never returned to the campsite. Yeah, so now he waits for a while. He's like, where is she? She hasn't come back, so he thinks, well, maybe something's wrong. So he goes to the campsite to figure it out and finds out that she never made it back to the campsite. So naturally, searching ensued. There were five separate searches including aircraft, helicopters, hundreds of searchers, and yet nothing was found. So she went missing in a hundred yard span less. Basically, yeah. I mean, it sounds very similar to our other missing people, like just disappeared in the daylight with other people around. It's crazy. Yeah. So on May 12th, 1951, her body was discovered near Somerset Reservoir. So this was six months later. She was very visible in an open field. This area had been searched extensively in the previous searches for the last six months that they've been doing. Right, which is super weird. So everybody says that this area was searched. And she was literally in an open field area where she was very visible. No cause of death could be determined, mostly because we are... Six months. Yeah, six months into the future. And hers... Out of all of the disappearances, her body is the only one that's ever been recovered. 
So obviously the bodies of the hunters were found right away. Out of the disappearances, her body was the only one recovered. So in 2008, Robert Singley, he was a music professor at Bennington College. He was an experienced hiker. So he decided to go hiking. He took a trail that he knew very well to a peak. And when he took the same trail back down, after five miles, he realized he should have been at his car already, but he wasn't. Panic. Who's panicking? I'm not panicking too much yet because one time when we hiked this one trail, it was supposed to be like seven miles round trip. So we were in for a long hike in general. Seven miles is pretty decent, especially when you have children. Mm-hmm. Which then we had all, all we the We had children. all the kids. Yeah. Um, we, it's like a loop. So we go down one way, we get to the end, you know, everything's lining up just fine, you know, normal yeah. mileage and all of that stuff. We hike the other we side of the loop. We hike back around the loop and we're walking and we're like, we should be at the car already. Where? Well, and this was back before our days of actually having GPS. So the only tracking yes. that we're using at this point is my watch, which is telling us we've walked X amount of miles. Which we had walked like nine or ten miles at that point and we were like yeah so by ten miles we're like where is the car and we're like did we go the wrong way we're like no there's no way we went the wrong kept walking ended up being like 13 12 i think it was 12 miles 12 miles yeah it ended up being a 12 mile day turns out there was washout on the loop trail and the side that we decided to take coming back was the side that they had had to reroute and it added many miles yep to it mm-hmm. It was, um, it was a fun, fun day. Hmm. So he's kind of concerned, but at this point, heavy fog started to roll in and the trail became hopelessly dark. He managed to light a fire and huddled in for the night. In the morning, he saw that he was on the wrong ridge. Luckily though, he was able to make his way back to his car and live to tell the tale. So the reason that I added this case in is because this guy easily could have been one of our missing hikers, Uh right? He's an experienced hiker. He's in an area that he knows. He's doing a hike that he's done before. And somehow he gets disoriented and ends up on the wrong ridge. So comes down completely the wrong side of the mountain. It's very easy to do that in this area. But can you imagine? I would be so stressed out. Like, you survived the night, and then you're like, okay, now what? <laughs> what now? Now i got to find my way back to my car. And this is why we always carry GPS now. Yep. I mean, it's so true. And it it's not only helpful and a good survival thing to have, but also, like, when I hiked yesterday, we got up to where we needed to go, and there's no trail. We weren't on, like, an official trail hike yesterday. We were kind of on a not real hike hike yesterday. So we get up to where we're, we know where the ridge is. We can see it on the map. We know we need to go in this direction. So we just kind of head in that direction. Well, when we get up to the top of the ridge, we're looking out. Really pretty, by the way. I'll post a picture. But we're looking out and we can see these two lakes. And I was like, what lakes are those? And so we look it up and guess what? It was snow lakes, which we had hiked through when we did the enchantments a couple months ago. Hmm. So we were on the opposite ridge of where we had hiked before. So it was really cool because we could see our GPS trail going through the ridge, like down in the valley. We're like up on this ridge and we can see on the map where we hiked through this valley down below from the other side. Awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. So, I mean, it's it's just a good idea 
Everybody start carrying GBS. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next one. So on April 4th, 2013, a police officer responded to a silent alarm at a cabin at Pine Tree Summer Camp. So when the police officer got to the cabin, he discovered Christopher Thomas Knight. He had lived in the woods for nearly 30 years. 30 mm. years. It's a long time. Living off of nature and stolen things the entire time. Yeah, which he didn't seem to think there was anything wrong with that. He He's was just like, chilling. Yeah, I'm just... I just needed to borrow some stuff. Like, what's your problem? I just exist out here in the Bennington Triangle. Yeah. My... Well, and you have to imagine, too, there are probably a lot of abandoned buildings, shelters, like different things up in these woods where if you did choose to live a nomadic life, I mean, you could probably find shelter if you really wanted to. You could probably find old supplies in different places. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think about the Yuba City Five where they found the cabin yeah. full of supplies and stuff, the abandoned cabin. So I mean, it didn't help them much. Oh, God. If you haven't listened to that episode, you guys go listen to that episode. It's bonkers. In 2014, an adventurer named Chris Abramovich. I don't know, you guys. It's a crazy name. But he has a website. It's called Obscure Vermont. And he recounts an experience that he had in the mountains where he went there on a nice, warm July summer day. He encountered old cellar holes that were almost entirely hidden by tall grass. So basically, you don't see it until you're like up on this hole that's in the ground. He said that while they were there, there was a sudden change in weather. And all of a sudden, a torrential thunderstorm quickly appeared and the group was stranded for some time. They huddled and they waited for it to pass and then they eventually were able to make their way back down to the flats. When they got to the flats, they found that the surrounding areas were completely dry and locals confirmed that there had been no storm at all and not even rain. So it was just in like this one part of the mountains. So... He wrote, actually wrote a really extensive article on mm -hmm. his experience doing this. So go check that out. Okay, so first off, we're going to talk about some theories. Yes. In so. this triangle craziness. One of them is a serial killer. Okay, let's talk about it. Do we have a serial killer? I say no. I think they're... I don't think so. But I'm also... I'm a little bit You're on... You're leaning the, on the paranormal The paranormal side, side okay. of it. So I don't think there's a serial killer, but it could, it could be possible. But age, gender, all that different appearances, it's very, there doesn't seem to be a connection. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what about a predator? So a mountain lion, something like that. Like did something get them out there? I don't put a lot of credence in this theory. There's never been any evidence of an animal attack. There's Especially never been. the hunters. Yeah. I mean, no teeth marks, no nothing. Even the missing people, like. Was Were they drug off to somewhere? I mean, Probably we're not talking... We're talking about one small victim and the rest are not. Maybe the kid? Maybe, well, maybe, but his scent also disappeared at the road, so I don't yeah, know. I don't know. It's very bizarre. Then we have the lost theory. This one's my favorite. Maddie's still going to stick with the paranormal, but... I will stick with the paranormal. Which we'll, which we'll talk about more that more on our bunker talk, too. But the lost theory... I'll give theory, you a little piece, though. Yeah. So the lost theory, hypothermia... And disorientation, I really feel like, in the late months of the year when this happens. All of these disappearances happen in the last three months of the year. So cold time, right? October, November, December. So not only that, but they all happen later in the day, like between 3 and 5 p.m. So it's starting to get cold. It's starting to get 
maybe not dark, although sometimes in the um, Valley Mountains, it can start to get dark pretty early. It gets dark by like five here right now. So. I know, I know. I'm not discrediting that as a possibility that these people got lost, disoriented, hypothermia. If you're trying to hide from the wind and weather, like maybe that makes it harder for searchers to find you. Like think about Paula Lane from our Stranded at Burnside episode. She climbed into a tree, okay? She's in a tree. Say hypothermia got her that night instead of her being able to get out of the tree. What are the chances that somebody finds her body in there? I mean, think about it. It's harder to find somebody, especially in a vast wilderness that maybe is trying to take shelter somewhere or hide somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. And then we've talked about, we talked about the mining stuff, lots of holes, lots of places for people to fall into and things like that. And not to mention that floods and all of that. Yep, there flash could be floods. A... I know, yeah. Well, and people talk about how there's no way ex- these experienced hikers would go missing. But remember, this area, things grow differently. Things are different in this area with the way that the winds converge. Things so are paranormal. Things are paranormal. There is actually a through hike that goes from Vermont to the edge of Canada. It's 273 miles. This is called the Long Trail, which remember, that's along the area of a lot of where our missing people went missing. And it takes a couple of weeks to complete this, this hike. One thing that I found interesting on the websites about this hike None of it talks about these disappearances or about this being part of the the Bennington Triangle. Like, it's not talked about. So if you're going to go do this hike, which actually looks pretty cool, maybe we should try it. It's only a couple weeks. I would do it. I think it can resist the call of the woods. So we'll see if Maddie and I can resist the call of the mountain and we'll go do this hike. Because if I'm completely honest, that's what I think it is. Okay, okay so the lore. There's been reports of unexplained sounds and noises, strange lights, odd smells. Don't like that. Odd smells is what gets me. Yep, same. And this is going out, this is going throughout centuries, dating back to the original tribe that lived there. Obviously, UFOs and wormholes have been suggested because the mountain swallows people, like. So why wouldn't that be a wormhole? I know. Obviously, you guys. Uh, One thing that's kind of strange, too, is there's Karens stacked up throughout this mountain, which is super weird. So I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's basically like a stack of rocks that is a directional device. It's meant to, like, help people find their way on a trail or on in a forest or in an area. Like, it's meant to be a helpful tool. But these particular ones are really big, Mm -hmm. like the size of a child big. They don't seem to provide any kind of direction or helpfulness. They are miles away from trails. They are in the middle of nowhere. They are not where they would be helpful. Mm -mm. But remember, this area was very unsettled and very wild. So maybe at some point, somebody planned to do something there and they set up a marker for it. I mean, who knows? I'm wondering if they're like chief gravestones for the Native Americans. They could be. They've been there for a long time. Well, I, one of the reasons that I am so very, I'm very much so like, I do believe in all the paranormal stuff, unlike my mother here. I'm not saying I don't believe in it. I know, but I'm much more. Yeah, I tend to be a little more on the logical I need proof side, and Maddie tends to be a little more the opposite of that, which is great. I think that what really sells it for me is the the fact that, first off, most of the mountain, I would assume, is an Indian burial ground. Mm -hmm. It's where the Native Americans, the original tribe, what was it? The 
Abenaki. Abenaki. So the the Abenaki, they buried their dead on the mountain, otherwise wouldn't go on it. That first off just... Yeah, of course. Red flag for me right there, that yeah. something's up. Before all these people have been murdered, all these people have gone missing. Oh, and then there's the monster. Oh, yes! Mm-hmm. So... Starting in the early 19th century, there were sightings of a monster. So before a train route was constructed, people who did not want to hike all the way up the mountain to get to the town would take stagecoaches. The mountain did climb 250 feet every mile. Holy, holy hell. That's a lot. Yeah. On one of these trips up the mountain, the stagecoach departed kind of late and on the way up, torrential downpour began. The stagecoach was forced to pull over and stop in the mud. He grabbed his lantern and climbed down to inspect how deep the mud was and check the wheels of Mm -hmm. the stagecoach. To his surprise, there were footprints in the mud. Big footprints. And they were fresh. So, of course, he decided to follow them. The horses were starting to go wild, and the people in the stagecoach were starting to get restless and also were getting out of the stagecoach at this time. These footprints seemed to be from a very large man not wearing shoes. So he followed them only to discover that they vanished into the woods. All of a sudden, something large rammed into the side of the stagecoach, knocking it on its side, and passengers began to panic. Something stepped out into the light and appeared to be very large, and some reported even seeing its eyes. It turned and disappeared into the forest. This would become to known as the Beddington Monster. Or better known as Bigfoot, yeah, a.k.a. Sasquatch. So that's one thing that definitely is very talked about in a lot of these stories or cases is this Bennington monster. Apparently, this triangle does share some similarities with the Bridgewater Triangle, which is in the neighboring Massachusetts. I'm not sure it shares a lot of similarities with that after Um, reading up on it a little bit. No. But the Bermuda Triangle does seem to have a lot more paranormal sightings and poltergeists and orbs and sacrifices and murder and cults and things like that. But I do think that the reason that this triangle has gotten its name and has been a site for poltergeist thing is because of the cult activity and the satanic panic that came along there is a lot of cult activity associated with the bridgewater triangle yes with the bridgewater the animal sacrifices human sacrifices things like that so that one definitely kind of took on a more paranormal satan reputation than the bennington one Uh, i think the bridgewater triangle might be more maddie's uh, wheelhouse. There's also a ton of suicides yeah. near the Bridgewater one, too. Super weird, which, I mean, crazy stuff. Okay. Yeah, so that is the Bennington Triangle. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Uh, to me, it's all the disappearances with no... Nothing. Nothing ever, ever found of, what, four people? Crazy. Um, well, actually, it's three because one body was found, and then yeah. we have two hunters, right? Crazy. Super crazy. There's a bunch of articles and different things out there about the Bennington Triangle. Most of them pretty much say the exact same the, thing. The exact thing. There is a book out there, though. Um, I think it was written by Joseph Citros or something. And I think that's where the majority of the articles got their information from, yeah, from what I, I could tell. Assume. 
So if you want to read more about this, you can check out that book. I know the Lore Podcast did an episode on it. Medium did an article on it. I mean, there's a ton of information out there. I guess um, some TV show called um, oh America's Most Terrifying Places or Most Terrifying Places. Did place. an episode on it. Did an yep. episode on it. Yep. Yep. So there's a lot of information out there. If anybody, if you guys want to read more or look into more or find more or whatever, you know. Um, let us know if you like the triangle, the scary paranormal. Yeah. Maddie might put together like a paranormal episode that I actually make her do all the research on. Okay, so in case anyone's wondering, the cat has created a new game for herself that I've heard her do at least four times since we've been letting her into the garage today. She is running from the garage, up the little garage stairs, all the way up the house stairs, Mm -hmm. doing something upstairs, and then I hear her pitter-patter down. So if you hear, like, these quick little footsteps, that's what that is. It's the cat. But yeah, thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. Um, We're going to do our bunker talk on this, so go check that out if you want to hear more of Maddie's crazy theories. Follow us on Instagram at Lost in the Woods Podcast. Facebook as well. Same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Share us in your stories. We'll share you back. We um, Wednesday, our hiking with Hannah launches. Finally, Jesus. On Patreon, I know. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I've been busy. All these kids doing school. I can't. I don't have time for anything, <laughs> except for I went hiking all day yesterday. So I can't. Mm. Crap. I don't know if I can even use that as an excuse. I don't know. But literally, you guys, I have kids in school on Zoom calls all bloody day. But I'm trying to stay on track and I'm trying to get everything posted and organized and ready. And Maddie's trying her hardest to help me out. She's really bad at it. But she's trying, which I really appreciate. I'm glad you appreciate it because I am trying (laughs) and it's really difficult and I'm really bad at it. And I actually feel bad that I'm so bad at it. I'm really concerned actually that this might be her trying her hardest. I'm not sure. We'll find out. But yeah, so we're working on uh, Maddie trying to help me more so that we can do more and post more. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Yes. You guys are amazing. We're so excited that you tune in every week to listen to us. We love you guys. You're great. So, yeah, uh, come check out our Bunker Talk if you want more. And we will see you guys next week. Yep. All right. Bye. moved it down. Where'd it go? There it is. Now you're, wait. No, that works. You're like doing this like the hardest way possible right now. I don't know how you usually do it. I paid, I watch you do it every single time. Okay, you guys. So basically we were down here recording in the bunker right now and I was responding to one of our listeners on um, Instagram, so I wasn't really, like, paying attention to what I was doing. Like, and I was kind of just, you know. Yeah, but my, but Murray usually sets everything up. Like, she usually puts the, starts I'm, the recording, she usually puts up the script, you know, she usually does that on her, because it's her computer, it's her lap, like, it's her. But her I'm sure MacBook. it doesn't surprise any of you that I have been doing it. Yeah, no, it probably shouldn't, especially if you listen to all the episodes, it doesn't, I, I'm just here, I just show up. So, obviously, as you guys know, I get coffee a lot for us before we record. That's a normal occurrence, right? You know, 
Lotus or coffee yeah, or whatever. something, which is the only reason we had to start Patreon because we had to support our coffee habit. <sighs> don't even tell me about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. So much of my money goes towards coffee. I know, right? It's painful. But every time, so I go to the coffee stand in the mornings and the girl, you know, asks me, what are you up to? And I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Okay. By the way, Maddie never talks about our podcast in, like, her normal life. She just feels really awkward about it and weird about it. I don't know why it. I feel weird about, like, <laughs> self-promoting our podcast to, like, two people. It, it feels weird. I don't know why. Like, literally, she had a friend over one time, and I was like, well, we need to record tomorrow. And she was like, okay. And her friend's like, record what? And I was like, our podcast. And she was like, you guys have a podcast? And I was like, Maddie, <laughs> what's wrong with you? I just feel weird about self-promoting it and like you're just talking about it though like you you talk about your cat to every human and every probably tree that you encounter but yet it's weird to you to talk about our podcast which takes up a very large portion of your life it does take up a very large portion of my life but I don't know I feel weird about it so then you know I tell the girl at the coffee stand oh yeah no I'm going to record with my with my mom (laughs) oh record what like, well, I have a podcast. No way. Yeah, well, what's it about? It's a true crime podcast. No way. That's how it goes every time. It's always, people are always ecstatic. Ecstatic? Ecstatic? Shocked. Yeah, ecstatic is a word, yeah. Ecstatic about yeah. it. But I still feel weird about it every time. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's about lost, murdered, and missing backpackers and hikers. But yes, as to everybody's comments, Maddie did cut her hair. Oh, yeah. I cut, like, a good, probably, in I've cut a good foot off my hair we cut a ton off of your over hair. a foot off my hair because my hair was all the way down past my waist yeah I think it was just time for a change like she wanted something different and and just so you know both of our hair grows super super fast so it's gonna be long again in no time so it's I guarantee after Christmas my hair will be long again <laughs> and I will I will bet money on that yeah I will bet money on that but so I've gotten two reactions for my short hair. People are like, oh my god, no, you cut your hair short, no. I know, people are very attached to your long hair. Or people are like, oh, it looks awesome. Like, it looks really healthy, it looks good, which it is super healthy. I obviously cut everything that was, like, completely dead or anything, split ends, nothing. There's There's no There's nothing left on my head. Yeah, I think it cracks me up when people are like, no, your long hair. I know, I, that happened, so when Maddie was born actually when she was a baby I had really long hair just like her and then you had really long hair for a really long time for a long time yeah and I when I cut it off it, it was probably it was after it was after Cadence was born that I think I cut it off mm, yeah 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 so after my after my after Cadence was born I cut it off and I got the same reaction people were like no and I was like I'm, I keep sitting on my hair. I'm tired of it, okay? No. Let me cut my hair once, please. I'm sorry. Uh, and I've never had short hair. My sister's actually mad at me about it. Because she's like, you've had long hair my entire life, and now it's short. Yep. And I'm like, and Phoenix is like, I think that's enough. When my mom was cutting my oh, hair. Oh, yeah. So I'm like cutting Maddie's hair, and then Maddie's like, maybe shorter. And then Maddie's like, maybe shorter again. And then Maddie's like, maybe shorter again. So we did this quite a few times. And at one point, Phoenix was like, um, mom, I think that's enough. I think you should stop. <laughs> and then we still got like two more inches off. Well, it. because it was like short. It was stressing her out though. It was stressing Phoenix out that my hair is short. It was, she was mm-hmm. not a fan of it, but it's fine. It'll grow back. 
But it was, yeah. It's fine. It's It's fine. fine. It's fine. All right. And my mother tries to talk me into walking through almost every puddle. I do. I'm like, I'll give you a doll if you walk through that, or I dare you to walk through that. And she's like, no. No, I'm going to get my boots wet. She goes, baby. That's exactly what she does every time, baby. (laughs) Although, I will someday, like, find all of the dollar challenges that we've done with Maddie over the years where we give her a dollar to do something. Usually it's it's been happening since I was like 12. Yeah. And usually it has to do with putting things on that we find at hikes or things like that. So I'll find those for you guys one of these days and post them. The only reason I really had to do it was because you started to get a Facebook following for it. And people, people, people like your, your dollar challenge. Used to. The first one was a fairy mop that she put on her head, like a wig. Yeah. We were on the ferry, and we were parking, and my older sister looks at me and goes, I'll give you a dollar if you put that on your head. I was like 12. I was like, okay. Okay. And then over the years, there's been flip-flops, there's been sweaters, t-shirts, tank tops. There was a bandana one time. There was a sock that we made her put on her hand and wear it as a puppet. There was a dog leash. Mm-hmm. No. I think you... I wore it like a tiara. I don't think I actually... What? Did I put the dog leash no, on? No, you put the dog leash on. Uh, it was a collar. Yeah. yeah, you know, dog uh, collar, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it would benefit all of our listeners to see these videos. I literally have videos of all of them, you guys. Great. <laughs> great. <laughs> well, that is what it is. Own it. Just own it. Okay, go. I wasn't denying it. Okay. Okay, so here's my here's my story. So, speaking of, like, cellar holes, this isn't a cellar hole, but someone posted on social media, like, tell me your childhood activity that definitely should have killed you. So, it's on a cellar, but what happened is that it's like, tell us your childhood activity that definitely should have killed you. Mm-hmm. And it was this girl, and she says... Me and my sister used to go to this place that we called the cool hole, where in the summer we would sit by it and really cold air would blow out of it. Oh. And they, she was, um, she said that one day in the summer, they, so they didn't know how deep it was. They couldn't figure it out. And they were too afraid to jump down the hole. So they were convincing their brother to jump down the hole to do it. And their dad overheard them say it. And he went and found it. Turned out it was an old mining an old, like... Mine shaft? Mine shaft. And it was, like, their dad dropped it, like, held onto a tape measure and dropped it down there, a 500-foot tape measure, and it didn't hit the bottom. Oh, shit. So, like, imagine if one of the kids jumped into it. Just crazy story. Yeah. Like... I feel like, well, I mean, when when I was a kid, we lived out in the woods a lot. Like, we had property. Like, we spent our childhood really running around and doing stupid, dangerous things yeah. and not, there was no parental Yeah, well, anything. she said that if one of them would have jumped down it, no one would have ever found them. No one would because their parents didn't know about the hole. Mm-hmm. Their dad went and searched the property for it after they heard him yeah. talking about it. That's so funny. So crazy. Yikes. Um, I think, um, I think that the older generation probably has more stories about things that should have killed them. Yeah, we used to just throw things down out the window at each other, so the possibility of us falling out of a two-story window is pretty probable. My sister Sarah fell out of a two-story window when we were kids. She was, well, we were cleaning, kind of, our room upstairs, but basically we were just throwing stuff out the window. Yeah, that's what we, that's what I mean. Actually, you know what's even funnier? Me and Hannah's kids, 
My cousins oh. used to throw things down the wind, out the out window the at each other. Perfect. My mom was sitting in the living room and she kept seeing stuff flying out the window and she was like, what the heck? And then she sees shoes come flying by the window and realizes that it's actually a child. And Sarah had fallen out the window. She completely fell out. But she was fine. Got the yeah. wind knocked out of her. Give me a drink. Also, when I went to the coffee stand today, I didn't specify the size of the lotus. It is. There's a funny smell. I've smelled it every time I go to take a drink. It might be their guava. I don't think so. They're like a they're like a really like weird nice stand. They have weird they no, have different it's flavors. Like, it's like a um Oh no, yeah, it's their guava mom. No, it's not. It's a smell on the lid. It's like it's not the drink. Are you sure? Yeah. Because their guava tastes different to oh, me. Oh no, it is the drink. It's the guava. Guava? Does, I've never smelled guava. I I so I don't really. I'm not super fond it of guava anymore. It almost has like a like a gasoline smell to me. It's the guava. I can taste it too. They have so. In case you guys are curious, we went to Grounds Coffee, which if you guys know, they have crazy ass special secret menu drinks, like with candy and stuff in them. Like if you look them up on Instagram, they have some crazy things. So their flavors are a little different. So that's what's happening. Highly would recommend going there. I'm episode. anxious the lady at the coffee of the coffee stand didn't give me my alternative milk and I drank an entire chai of just regular milk. Okay, well, you need to pull your shit together. I can't pull my shit together. I feel like I'm going to poop my pants. <laughs> I, I already pooped like 20 minutes ago. I'm definitely putting that at the end of the podcast. <laughs> I don't care. They didn't give me oat milk. I drank an entire thing of regular milk today. My stomach hurts. If I die or something happens tonight, it's grounds coffee. Get that get that cup and have it tested cuz a lot of poisons have like a slight smell but you can't taste them and I feel like that's what's happening to me. I'm being poisoned right now. I, but I'm going to keep drinking it. So <laughs> you get poisoned. I'm going to shit my pants. <laughs> Let's record this podcast. <laughs> Okay, go. See, now I feel like it's so funny. Now I feel like I have to leave it in there. <laughs> you know, I have no pride anyway. <laughs> Nothing matters anymore. Life is pointless. It doesn't matter. Just what me talking about how I'm going to shit myself on the podcast. <laughs> because I drink a bunch of milk. Because I'm lactose intolerant. Can't handle dairy. <laughs> It's, it's fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Where the fuck are we? Okay. Talking about the sawmill worker that bludgeoned his coworker. We are on, like, the first page still. Go. Okay, so five years later, in 1897, can you breathe less loudly, please? You're like... I'm... Like, I literally... I, I can't. Am... I can't hear myself think. <laughs> You have to stop. I'm dealing with a lot of things right now, Mom. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, here we go. I'm trying to keep my shit together right now. Literally. Okay. I still think it smells funny. It's because it does. You know what it is? What? Um, antifreeze? Is that what it is? Is that the one what, that... No, which one smells... Mm. What kind... There's one poison. A poison. There's one one poison that it's like, something that goes into a car. Yeah, antifreeze is a poison, but it smells like oil. Arson smells like gas. 
Oh my god, wait, it does smell like kerosene. Now we're FaceTiming your Hannah. Because... Hey. Does, have you ever gotten a lotus that kind of smelled like gasoline? A lotus? Mm-hmm. No. So I'm pretty sure I've been poisoned. Maddie doesn't believe me. My, I swear to God, my, it doesn't taste funny, but it has like a weird, like. You literally just heard me admit that it does smell like gasoline. Well, you admit it now. Earlier, you wouldn't admit it. Or okay, you didn't think well, it did. what flavors did you choose? White peach and guava. But kinda, it's from a different it's, stand. It's from Grounds Coffee. Okay, so did they use the gun or did they use the pump? I couldn't see. She doesn't know. But I think you should come smell it because I think I might have been poisoned. It, it kind of does smell weird, though. It really does smell weird. But also, their flavors are different at Grounds Coffee. They do have different kinds of flavors. Gas-flavored flavors? Because that's what it smells like. Okay, but if they use the pump, and if their pump was put... So, normally with Lotus, it comes in like a... You, you know. Yeah, yeah. The jug. And then you add your stuff. So, either their Lotus could have been bad and fermented... Or one of their flavors is bad, but if it has a weird taste. It doesn't have a weird taste. It only has a weird smell. But there's like a, I can like smell the aftertaste of it when I drink it. Yeah, I probably wouldn't drink it then. I already drank most of it. We already shared it. So, so then you're already poisoned. So then what are you bitching about? Uh, that's what I'm saying. I need you to come smell it and maybe take us to the hospital. Oh my word. We're in the bunker recording right now, and I'm like, wait, I gotta call Hannah. <laughs> well, at least if you're poisoned, there's a spot for me on the on team podcast. You're gonna be doing it by yourself because Maddie drank half of this thing with me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my word. So yeah, when you're done with whatever you're doing, we're gonna need you to come smell the lotus and tell us if it's poisoned. <laughs> I'm just actually at Fred Meyer's, so. All right. If you don't answer the store, then I know you're dead. All right, love Bye. you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Sorry. I'm sorry. You look mad. I'm no, sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> you just wipe, you rub your hand on your face. I'm just waiting for you to get through this sentence. I'm struggling. I think today might be a cut all of Maddie's mistakes and paste them at the end of the episode. South, south, the south. Southwestern. It's around, what is that mountain? Glastonbury. Glastonbury. Mm -hmm. This encompasses a town of Woodford. Woodford? Woodford. It also contains old ghost towns of... The... Wait. Also also contains the ghost town. Also contains the old ghost towns. It also contains. (laughs) Well, you're saying also contains. That's not even... So it also contains the old ghost towns of, of Glastonbury were created... Glastonbury. Of Glastonbury. Glastonbury. So the boundaries of the old town, Glastonbury, Glastonbury, mm, Glastonbury. Say it again. So the old town, the boundaries of the, by Benning, ooh, Benning Wentworth, Weth, Wentworth, 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 by Benning Wentworth, what, Benning Wentworth, Wentworth, Benning Wentworth, by Benning Wentworth, Wentworth. That's really hard to say. That's no, not. By Benning Wentworth. It is. No. Benning Wentworth. Benning Wentworth. There you go. By Benning Wentworth. 
Yes. By bending one. So more. literally Maddie just learned how to say that, you guys, by staring at me while I say it because she can't learn by reading it. She has to learn by watching me say it while listening to me. <laughs> I can't read. It doesn't work. Typing in the password. That's not my name. Nope. Did you decide that you couldn't pick one of your favorite children to be your password? Because it would have been too guessable. My password is Phoenix. Oh, damn it. It's not Cadence like everything else? <laughs> no, I had to change it because you broke into my Apple Watch and read all my text messages. So I had to change the password of my Apple Watch and of my MacBook so that she couldn't get into either of them to read my messages. You think she's not going to guess Phoenix? Joseph A. Ciro? Citro? Citro. Um, how did you think Abenaki? Ab- Abenaki. Abenaki? Abenaki. I think it's Abenaki. I think everyone I heard pronounce it said Abenaki, but... Okay, whatever. I'll, I'll look it up. Abenaki. Okay, so in 1791, Gluston, Glastonburg? Glastonbury? Glastonbury. 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 Yeah. Henry McDowell. 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 Mm-hmm. Named John Crawler. Crawley? Oh, Crawley. Where he escaped by hiding in a railway car. Railroad. Oh. An avid hiker and an av- or an avid hunt. An avid one single rifled cartridge was found in a steam? Stream. Oh. A veterinary and resident Veteran. of... Until the last... Until the last stop before. Oh. So his luggage was found in the luggage... In the luggage, oh, his luggage was found in the luggage rack. Alberta. Herbert. Herbert. Alberta. <laughs> Where the fuck did I come up with that? I don't know. So the families were camping near Somerset. Somerset. Somerset Reserve. Reservoir. God, fuck. The family, <sighs> the families, oh, my stomach. So the families were camping near Somerset Reser- Reservoir. Reservoir. Reservoir isn't a real word, I swear to God. I know it is. I know it is. <laughs> but it should not. Okay. Frida spilled. Slipped. 